Topic 11, Second Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 11. Second Paper by Professor John W. Gilbert, M.A. How can the Negroes be induced to rally more to Negro enterprises and to their professional men? Professor John Wesley Gilbert, A.B.A.M., was born at Hevsibah, Georgia, July 6, 1864. Young Gilbert was left to the care of his widowed mother and his uncle John, for whom he had been named. He usually spent half the year on the farm and the other half in the public schools of the city of Augusta. After finishing the public grammar school course, he spent twelve months, all told, in the Atlanta Baptist College, then seminary. In January 1884, Payne College opened in Augusta. He attended this institution 18 months and graduated from it in June 1886. In September of the same year, he entered the junior class of Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island. He graduated from this historic institution with honor in June 1888. For excellence in Greek, a scholarship in the American College, Athens, Greece, was conferred upon him at the end of his senior year. In the spring of 1889, he married Miss Osceola Pleasant of Augusta, Georgia. He attended the American College, Athens, Greece, during 1890 to 1891. Under his supervision, the site of ancient Eritrea, now Nia Psara, on the island of Enbola, was excavated and, in collaboration with Professor John Pickard, the only extant map of this ancient city was made by him. All the places of classic note in Greece were visited and studied by him. His M.A. degree was conferred upon him by Brown University upon the presentation of his thesis, The Deems of Attica. He also took one semester of lectures in the University of Berlin in 1891. He is author of several archaeological productions and has contributed articles on this subject to the New York Independent and other journals of like standing. He is at present a member of the Philological Association of America and membership which he accepts in the Archaeological Institute has also been tendered him. Ever since the fall of 1891, he has held the chair of Greek and German in Payne College, Augusta, Georgia. Besides, he is a preacher of the Order of Elder in the CME Church in America. As representative of that church, he was a delegate to the Ecumenical Conference 
held in London, England, September 1901. During the session, he preached and lectured for a number of the largest and most intelligent audiences in England. By proper education of the patrons, and merit on the part of Negro business enterprises and professional men, it is a summary answer to the above question. It will be well for our present purposes to investigate this answer in detail. The natural inference therefrom, an inference whose justness is easily demonstrable, is that the education of the Negro race, so far and in such manner as it has already proceeded, is defective when it comes to the question of training Negroes to support their own business enterprises and professional men. The very textbooks, not to mention the living teachers, in every department of education, whether professional or otherwise, are written by authors and for students other than Negroes. For every public and well-nigh every private educational institution of the land, the trustees of education have prescribed books which, besides suppressing whatever praiseworthy associations the race has had with the history and literature of our common country, never call the words of a negro wise nor his deeds noble it is neither a sufficient nor true answer to the question to say that negroes have contributed nothing of educational or civic value to the literature or history of this country manifestly then our young people come out of school without confidence in the ability of their race to do what members of other races can do this i take it is the reason why we find educated negroes as a rule bestowing their patronage upon business enterprises and professional men of other races rather than upon their own representatives in the same vocation this lack of confidence and race pride characteristic of the educated as well as of the uneducated negro is the most destructive heritage bequeathed by slavery days to any once enslaved race in the history of the world. Hence, as a race, we need a thorough revision of our system of education which shall encourage the production of Negro authorship on the one hand, and the confidence and pride-inspiring study of the worthfulness of the Negro's enviable record on the other the schools are however only one of the agencies of education in the broadest exception of that term equally potent with scholastic training if not more so is the cultivation of social sentiment in the community sentiment is higher than law and the endeavor of all honest legislation should be to make laws expressive of the mandates of the highest and best sentiment. Any given community can almost always be trusted to act upon the impulse of sentiment, whether this comports with the law or not. Whether expressed or unexpressed, 
the social sentiment among negroes and it is seemingly often innate is not favorable to the support of their own enterprises and professional men were it otherwise we should now have prosperous wholesale and retail merchants successful factories large real estate agencies considerable banks solid insurance companies better institutions of learning well-paid lawyers physicians dentists etc and the reaction on the whole race would have been to change our status in the nation from that of mendicant denizens as at present to that of influential well-to-do citizens this mutual helping of each other is expected of us if we are to judge from the evidences given us from time to time by our white fellow-citizens for example the white undertakers in augusta georgia have given up to the colored undertakers all their negro patronage the best white physicians do not seek negro patients although greed for the almighty dollar keeps most white businessmen seeking negro patronage they do not as a rule try to prevent negroes from patronizing negroes except by striving to make it to their pecuniary advantage to patronize white men in a word it is natural they allow for birds of a feather to flock together and this is true of the jew the german the irishman of all except the negro as it is the average negro chooses rather to be discourteously and carelessly treated by a white professional or business man often of inferior ability than to be properly treated by a man of superior ability of his own race hence to induce negro patronage of negro enterprises and professional men there must be cultivation of the social sentiment of the negro community by all possible means from every viewpoint the pulpit is the strongest factor in the cultivation of social sentiment some few preachers occasionally talk on this line but unfortunately for the influence of their admonitions they themselves purchase their groceries and drugs employ their physician and undertaker from members of another race a house divided against itself cannot stand like many another passage and teaching from the book of god and the god of books might as applicably be preached to a large number of negro preachers as to their congregations it is no unholy compromise of the gospel of saving grace to teach that the man of galilee came first unto his own and that to follow after him and his apostles in their doctrine of first to the jew our religion should exemplify christ by our acting on the principle first to the negro i would have this doctrine promulgated persistently earnestly constantly from every negro pulpit as the only hope of the negro race as such and therefore 
of the perpetuity and progress of their churches. Nor should the publishing of the doctrine find place only in the congregations of the laity, but it should be proclaimed in the clerical conferences, conventions, associations, synods, assemblies, etc., for I recognize it as a case of physician heal thyself. This cultivation of sentiment in the purely religious bodies should be supplemented by similar efforts in the thousand and one societies of one sort and another among us. Let them incorporate it in their constitutions as a requirement for membership. It would not be amiss for our national race congresses and conventions to scatter broadcast and thickly over the whole land literature to this effect. Let that Negro individual or body be ostracized that does not subscribe to this doctrine or fails to live in accord therewith. To summarize, this training in the schoolroom, preaching in the pulpit, proclaiming in social and civic organizations, promulgation from the rostrum, and broadcast distribution of literature, all tending toward the same end, it seems to me, would properly educate the popular mind and be productive of that social sentiment without which Negro enterprises and professional men are doomed either to utter failure or, at most, to the eking out of a miserable death-in-life existence. Now, as to those engaged in these enterprises and professions, a few words may be befittingly said. In order to inspire the confidence and reasonably expect the patronage sought, there must be merit in the claims of the seeker. The business enterprise must present no appearance of hazard or mere adventure, for the mere matter of sameness of race does not warrant one in taking risks as a partner or patron in wildcat schemes. No man should expect or receive patronage solely because he is black. For your patron, besides being generally poor, is also black, and might as justly look for favors of you upon that score as you of him. The business, let us say, of buying and selling, must show reason for its existence and firmness in its project. Besides capital, a common-sense application of the economic laws of supply and demand, the principle of low prices, quick sales, the proper estimates of the actual and prospective fluctuations of the market, these all must give evidences of your raison d'etre, your firmness of business, and your claim upon public patronage. It goes without saying that the quality of your goods or services must be second to none at the same price. In the profession's Negro practitioners, if there is to be any difference in point of ability between them and other professional men, must be exceedingly well prepared for their chosen fields. This is imperative, 
because the presumption of the masses of negroes to say nothing of others is that on the average the negro professional man is not amply qualified for the pursuit of his profession i would have negro professional men spend much time in the study of their professions both before and after entrance thereupon i should like to know that the average negro preacher physician lawyer etc is better equipped for his work than the average professional man whether white or black who is now receiving the patronage of negroes finally the business or professional man must be of the people and for the people, interested in their welfare or whatever sort, and promotive of the same as far as he is able. He must not be seeking only what he may devour, but must give himself unreservedly to the people for their uplift in every good cause i do not mean that there should be any let-down along moral lines but i do mean to imply that a great many failures are due to the exclusive separation of not a few negro professional men from the people unless when pecuniary gain is the sole purpose these principles have made others successful they are but natural laws deducible from the philosophy of history therefore if two and two make four why should not an application of these laws induce nay compel negroes to rally to the support of negro enterprises and their own professional men end of topic eleven second paper